righteousness. Yo, Angelo Yee, I love you. 50% ratchetness. Tell them ratchets to sit down. This is becoming the most prominent form for hip-hop. Wake your ass up. It's early in the morning, but they told me it was y'all. I say, oh, hell yeah, I'm getting up. The world's most dangerous morning show. DJ Envy. Your people's choice. Angela Yee. I'm a sweetheart, but I'll cut you. Charlamagne the God. Principals and people alone. I can't believe you guys are the best, kid. Collectively known as Breakfast Club, bitches. I'm Dallin. I'm Dallin. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm Dallin. I'm calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Good morning, good morning. It's Xavier. Xavier, good morning. Get it off your chest, bro. Um, Actually, I just want to uh, start off with some positivity. I want to um, shout out my sister and brother-in-law. They're actually starting their own business called Teacher Love Box. They actually called and got through to you guys about two weeks ago. Wanted to give it a shot again and let everybody know. Get on there and check it out. We want to just spread some love to the teachers. Okay. Will do, my brother. I always am a fan of spreading love to teachers, man. That is one of the most important jobs that's the most underpaid. Yeah, my mother's a teacher, English teacher, South Carolina, man, 30-plus hey, years. Hey, so man, if you want to get her a box, man, get one. What? Give me the website again? That that actually would be a good idea. What's the website again? Teacher Love Box Official. And that's on Instagram, and then you can get right to the right to the website. I'm gonna order one today, my brother. Teacher Love Box Official. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Charleston, do you mind uh, sending me one of your books? If you got any back in yet? Well, I don't, but I, I'll send you a copy of Tamika Mallory's um, State of Emergency: How to Win in the Country We Built. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll try that one now. I definitely some mental health uh, help. Can't we all, <laughs> my brother? Can't we all? Yeah. All right. Hold on, man. Yeah, call. Hold on, bro. Hold on, hold on, hold on, on so I can get your address. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Mel. This is DJ MP. This Mel? Mel. Mel. Mel, what up, man? Get it off your chest. Good morning. No, um, good morning, Dr. Charlemagne. Good morning, Angela Yee. Peace, Kay. Long-time listener every day. Donkey of the day is my stuff. But, um, Thank you, brother. I live with a female like, hey. for nine years. And we've been together, well, we worked together for nine years, but I live with her, and I sleep in the living room, and she sleeps in her room. And I wake up, I wake up every day at four o'clock in the morning just to use the bathroom, because she might, you know, pee in the bed. What? So y'all roommates? Yeah, we basically roommates, you could say that. Y'all don't, y'all don't have sex or anything like that? No relationship? No, sir. This is my dad. Wow. (laughs) my dad. (laughs) What's the reason, though? Like, I mean, is it for financial reasons, or what's the reason y'all still roommates? Because her twin daughters, we have been in their life since they were babies, so she don't want to be with nobody else. She wants to be with somebody else, but she doesn't want to bring another guy into the relationship. It's comfortable she's for her. That something might happen because um, Damn. they have a special uh, disability. They partially oh, deaf. Got it. Got you. So she don't really That's want you. She just wants you around the kids. She ra- she'd rather see somebody else. She feels comfortable with you. Yes. Okay. And you. So what like about you? if you want to date somebody yeah, else, or she want to date somebody what about else? You? That's the thing. She tells me, if, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go out and spend the night out. Or she gives me, like, basically say a curfew. If you're not home by 1130, I already know you're spending the night out. So, How, how old are you, I'm sir? I'm going to be honest with you. What happened, DJ? How old are you, sir? Uh, 37. Damn. Yeah, this you this sounds like the story you tell other women because you know you got a girl. So you'd be like, nah, I don't really got a girl. You know what I'm saying? But we just live together. You know, her kids got special needs. So I just take care of the kids. But we not really together. That's the, This yeah. sounds like the story you tell other women. No, not really. Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't call lie. up here and lie to us. 
Uh, why not? Yeah, no, I All believe right. you. That's well, what I'm you, saying. Sir. It's an unusual enragement, but people do get like comfortable with someone. They're scared to move on. I always say that some people get comfortable in being like in a dysfunctional relationship. But he seems trapped though. Let's just go. Yeah, say yeah they, like, like, like you can't see other people. Right. No, no. She, she can't she see said, other people. Like she said, I want to see other people. I don't want to be with you, but I just got you around because you go with the kids. Like he said, like he No, can't. She, but she but she told him if he can't, if he stays out till past 1130, I she, know you're with somebody she, else. She so don't come back. Door. Like what kind of sense is that? That's come on crazy. now. Well, Candace, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm hey. doing well. Get it off your chest, mama. Um, I would like to say congratulate you for your 20-year anniversary. Congratulate um, Charlemagne for being a doctor, darling. And, um, Thank you. Angela, you, you Thank are you. just amazing. Thank you. Are amazing. you. And there's nothing like finding your life partner, your best friend. I would like to also shout out my king. We don't got nothing on you and, and, and your wife for 20 years. <laughs> Not yet. You'll be there I soon. Mean, just time. There's all time. they got on you is time. That's, That's right, all. Mama. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. One more thing. I would like to, you know, just a reminder because I caught last week and I appreciate y'all putting me on y'all platform. I also would like to say, so make sure y'all do y'all check-ins with your family and friends because we need people sometimes to check on us. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to follow me at My Peace, My Truth. And make sure that y'all buy, you know, your shirt so you can speak out against mental health. Okay, thank you, Mama. Absolutely. Thank you. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Rob. Hey, what's up, bro? Get it off your chest. Yeah, just really having a hard time with uh, relationship issues. Oh, what's the matter? What's your problem, bro? It's both ways. Uh, it's, neither one of us has, has trust in each other. Why, why don't y'all have trust? What did y'all do to destroy the trust? Uh, maybe I was working multiple jobs, for one, I think, and a lot of friends and families and influences and stuff like that, you know? That doesn't seem like a reason uh, to yeah, that, trust. Yeah, we need a little more information than cheat? that. And and we want you to be honest. Like, what is the real reason? There's reasons why yeah. people don't trust each other. Well, she went searching to try to find something that she heard from a friend. Mm -hmm. Then she started doing searching and didn't find nothing. So I think that's kind of where the trust went, like, about a year ago. And So you're saying she tried to step out, but you didn't. But she was, because she felt guilty about no, what she, she was doing. She thought I tried to step out and went okay. doing some searching and didn't find nothing but i always okay. had friends in the ear and you know telling her this and telling her that uh used to accuse me of cheating basically every day uh you know saying all this and that you, you know less of a man you don't have this you don't have that uh it's a lot you know it's a lot of nitpicking okay. it, it is a child involved you know so that's my main focus i'm like we need to come together for our child have you tried yeah, couples counseling? We actually, yeah, we tried counseling. But mm -hmm. when we talk to a neutral person that don't know anything about the relationship. It's difficult, I'm sure. And he was, he was telling us, like, what we need to know. And, like, when you saying you don't have a problem, it really is a problem. And She, she wasn't honest. Know, yes. And honestly, she, like, uh, a couple months ago, she... If you have gave me a STD or anything, um, I'm leaving you. Like, well, why would you think that? You know, because I'm not doing anything. So 
Do you and, not trust her? Well, I did trust her until all these assumptions and want to hang out with, you know, friends all the time instead of, like, trying to build what's in the house. Well, well, hold on. It seems like you need some, some more uh, help from me. So you hold on, all right? Hello, who's this? It's Jelly Belly from Boston. How Jelly Belly, good morning. Get it off your chest. Jelly so, Belly. First off, I want to thank your producer for being who he is because he gives me life every time. I love his energy. He's very therapeutic. On that note, I am a financial therapist and I've been going within my family to like literally change their lives and I've been shocking people that I didn't think I could shock. So I know it's Mental Health Awareness Month and I focus on that aspect a lot of it with what I do because it's the education that's important um I do thank you guys for being a platform that I could say this so I would love you guys to follow me on Instagram I'm trying to figure out my life on the social media platform mm-hmm. um Janae's okay. financial therapy you can follow me on Instagram um it's J-E-N-A-E everybody gets it wrong including my father. So, <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah. Didn't they it name is. you? <laughs> I, right. I don't know if he was there. That's, that makes me concerned. But um, I love <laughs> you guys. I love, love, love you guys. And I always tell everybody to leave with love and greatness shall follow. Um, my condolences to you, Envy. I did DM you like last week or two weeks ago. Um, if you could check that. But, Janae, what's a financial I, therapist do? Well, my mission is to ease the, the mind, ease the pain around finances because a lot of the times I'm black men are being told to be the providers and they feel like they don't have an outlet to go say like, oh, I don't know how to do this, you know? Like, and they, they shun away from therapy. That's not something we, we talk about in our community a lot. So mm-hmm. putting them both together, we need to open up. We need to open up because there's ways that we can win and it's not always just about not not to shun you or whatever um and be but it's not just about real estate because that's the most people like to like to do it well i need to do real estate because that's going to bring me passive income but there's other ways to do it so just you know i want to ease that pain like any other therapist would do okay i love it and i'm licensed in many states so it's sufficient sufficient, and it's free information so let's get it you know what i mean Uh, that's what i'm talking about information be out there absolutely Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Hey, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee. Follow me in the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests joining us this morning. That's right. One of them has been here a whole lot. Super friend to the room. Uh, Our guy, Mike Epps. Another is a legend who I'm mad. It's the first time we ever talking to her on Breakfast Club, and it's via damn Zoom. That's right. Wanda Sykes, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I mean, I, finally, I made it. I made it to the <laughs> Breakfast Club. You should have been here in person. That's what you should have been. What did I have to do to get here? And like you said, it's, it's Zoom. Wanda, when I saw you. I with Mike Epps and get a show on Netflix as, as number one and... I finally make it to the Breakfast Club. I saw you. I saw you uh, at Tiffany Haddish's 40th birthday party in December of 2019, and you said you was coming to Breakfast Club. And then, then here come COVID. I know, right? But, Wanda, well, if you would have, if you would have caught a gun charge a long time ago, you'd have been on there. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Mike. We are celebrating good news, though, with the new show, The Upshaws. I like the good news because 
uh, Paige Absolutely. has been telling me about this show for quite a while because he was on the show. So he kept talking it up, talking it up. And you know how somebody talks about something, you're like, all right, when is the show coming out already? But it's out. And so congratulations on how well it's doing on Netflix. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I thank y'all. Thank, thank the fans. Thank y'all for, for watching, man. Like I was saying, y'all just not binging it. Y'all are devouring it. I mean, that's like, amazing. Pe people are like watching it like two or three times. It's, it's, it's amazing. Hey, let me ask y'all a question, man, before we get started. Cause you know, we just did come out of a pandemic. I guess we still in it, but mm -hmm. how are y'all? And I want an honest answer. I mean, I ain't gonna lie. It, you know, I've I've been through a lot. You know what I mean? I've been through. I lost both my parents Dang. in December, Dang. and you know, previous to that, we was all on home detention. We was locked down, mm -hmm. so it's been rough for me. But you know, my I got so much faith in God. I ain't gonna let nothing stop me. I got to stay down. I'm doing what they wanted me to do. You know what I mean? And let's be good. Let's be successful. And, Mm -hmm. And be happy, you know what I mean? Hey, I'm sending you healing energy, Mike. Damn, absolutely, brother. brother. Yeah, Mike. Mike has Mike has really, you know, been through it, and uh, and I, I think it was it was cool that we, you know, weren't just doing a show about a about a family. You know, I've, I've known Mike for years, so it's like it's like we're family, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. so we all, you know, was supporting him, keeping him lifted up, but. He's he's a strong brother. He really is, and and he has, and like you said, that faith in God, and uh, it, it it got us all through, you know. And uh, I'm you know I'm I'm dealing with the I got the the, the the kids and everything and all, but it's uh you know we just feel we just feel blessed, really. Mm -hmm. I mean you know right. it's hard, and then and, and we mm -hmm. we're not gonna sugarcoat it. I mean a lot of people went through depression, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I had oh, some yeah. issues, you know, dealing with it because. It, it was just we've never experienced something like this, you know. Like Mike was saying, like That's holding right. attention, and and then when you see all these people losing their lives, I know so many friends who've lost people also, right. and uh, you 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 feel blessed, but but you also are like just it's just sad. You just feel sad, and then all the stuff we were going through with the with from George Floyd on and before mm -hmm. that, you know, it was just. Dang, it was just feels like like when like the camel's about to break, man. All right, when we come back, we have more with Wanda Sykes and Mike Epps there on the new Netflix series, The Upshores Don't Move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're kicking it with Wanda Sykes and Mike Epps. Charlamagne. So you were EP on this show too, right? Yeah, EP and uh, and uh, co-creator with Regina Hicks. How, how how is the approach different when you the EP and co-creator and you starring it? How is your approach to the to the role different? Um, well, you know, I've I've been in this position before, so it was, uh, you know, I'm I'm in the writers' room and uh, you know, getting the scripts together and everything, and then when I'm but when I'm on stage and performing, I I, I try to you know I, I turn that other part off so we can you know so i can make the make the performance but when um when i'm not in the scene then i get back behind the monitors and you know and, and watch everything mm. but um it was cool working with mike because mm. you know like encourage him to like hey man if this this how would you say this if this doesn't sound right to you or you know mike you got a better joke for this so it was it was just um real cool very collaborative 
Absolutely. And it looks like y'all probably had a lot of fun on set too, working together. Like that we looked did. like a fun. It was fun. It was fun showing up every morning with Wanda and Kim and Paige. And I mean, it was it was almost like summer school. You remember how fun summer school used to be? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I do. <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go all day, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just there for a couple of hours. I hated being there, but I get what you're saying. It was fun. <laughs> I had to go for seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade. Three years in a row with my dumb ass. Wow. Summer school. <laughs> well, thank you so much for checking in to Mike Epps. We appreciate you. I, also, Mike Epps, I want to say thank you. You know, I, when The Breakfast Club first started, you were one of the comedians that came on and you rocked with us when a lot of people didn't. I you remember we just seen a skit that you did. I think it was like our first skit. You remember that skit? When you yeah. knocked out the, the girl's hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, not only that, Mike used to Mike used to have me host his um his I don't know if that was Easter Sunday. It was a show you used to do at the garden every year for about three, four years. And Mike used to oh, always yeah. have me host it, man. I appreciate yeah, that's that. That's a tough crowd. That's a tough crowd to host in front of. Well, you're not a comedian. So yeah, not for me. All I had to do was say, "Coming to the stage." <laughs> Y'all ready for Mike Epps? Make some noise! Got love for the Breakfast Club, man. Love, <laughs> Breakfast Club, love, baby. I, I'm just honored. I finally made it here, man. No, Thank you got to come to the studio, Wanda. We need no, you in the studio. We are, we are honored, and I would be so excited for you to come up in person. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, thank you. All right, we love y'all. Love, right, love y'all. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. If summer is inspiring you to be a little bit healthier, Audible is a great help. Check it out for guided meditations, motivating podcasts, and audiobooks on fitness and nutrition. Get your first audiobook free when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audible.com slash breakfast club. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we're asking, have you ever fell in love with a stripper? Now, I uh, frequently DJ strip clubs all the time. And I remember one particular time, our camera guy up here, uh, he was feeling sad, so I took him out for his birthday. Which one? <laughs> Nick? No, no, no. Steve. Camera guy, Steve. Oh, Steve. 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 Okay, Steve. Steve now, used to work I for did a my set. I was out, out of the club at about uh, 3 o'clock. I said, yo, Steve, you ready to go? He was like, nah, I'll stay for a little bit. I was like, Steve, you know nobody here. He was like, no, but, you know, the stripper's feeling me. I said, no, she's not feeling you. <laughs> I said, she's not feeling you, sir. She's uh, feeling the money that you're throwing. He's like, no, no, no. I think we have a connection. I said, well, hit me when you get home. <laughs> so I know you made it home safe. Steve waited there till about 4.20 until she got out of work. That's how much in love he was with that stripper. Now, Listen, what happened after that? I don't know. But he was definitely in love. It's the stripper's job to give you attention, guys. It's a completely transactional relationship. Yes. You're throwing your ones. She's dancing. That's what the script club is for. It's like literally going into a barbershop, paying the barber to cut your hair and saying, yo, I think I think he's feeling me, yo. He's, he's playing on my neck. No, he's cutting your hair. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's the same thing with a stripper. Yeah, but but I will say this, and for the strippers out there, when the strippers don't dance and they have conversations with their uh, mark, I'll call them, <laughs> that's when it gets a little 
They're having conversations to see if you got some goddamn money. But the conversation to see if they should be wasting their time with you. The conversation makes the Mark feel special because he's like, "Wow, you dance with everybody, but you're sitting down talking to me." I think she likes. That's why Scrippers are great hosts. Drop on the clues, bonds for all the Scrippers out there. That's why they're amazing at what they do because they make you feel special. They make you feel wanted, and that's how you have to make somebody feel if you want them to throw their money. Salute to all the Scrippers, man. Yeah, you ever fell in love with a stripper? Uh, no, I absolutely haven't. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are strippers, or former strippers. I mean, I never fell in love with a scribble. I mean, you know, I've been I've been fond of one in my day, okay, but never fell in love. And the first time you got a, was that a strip club? Yeah, that was. I was a kid though, like that wasn't even, I wasn't even old enough to be in the strip club. I'll tell you this too. We need to be asking this question about the bottle girls, the bartenders, the bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> my, this generation might have definitely fell in love with a couple of bartenders, a couple of bottle girls before the strippers. Well, hello, who's this? Yes, hello, this is Sean. Oh, Sean, it sounds like you fell in love with a stripper or, or a bottle girl. Uh, yes, I fell in love with a Hooters girl. Uh, okay. Back in the day, me and my friends, we used to go up there up in Connecticut, and uh, she was a, a beautiful brown-skinned woman, and I would take her a lot. And I ended up, she ended up finessing me into paying for her car payment. Damn. And then I remember I would come in the Hooters, and at, at one point in time, she was giving me the energy and the love that I thought I deserved. But. <laughs> you hear your goddamn uh, fra fragile ego? She didn't give me the love I deserve. What the hell you mean? Yeah, well, you know, I was tipping her nicely, man. Nicely. I ego, bro. You leading with ego, oh, bro. Boy, poor you. That's all ego. Hello, who's this? Hey, it's Mitra. What's up, y'all? What's up, Peace, Mitra? Mitra. Who you fell in love with, Mitra? So it was my masseuse. So it was a female masseuse that massaged me, and my husband actually dropped me off at the appointment. And I was like, "We go together now when she's finished." But yeah, I was like, I was really feeling her, and it was crazy. What made you feel her so much? Huh? What made you feel yeah, it so much? Yes, she knew how to use the hands. Did she touch places she wasn't supposed to? No, she wasn't, but I wanted her to. Goodness gracious. <laughs> oh my gosh. So why you ain't keep in touch with her? <laughs> she probably did. <laughs> I, I, I just said, it was, we was on vacation, so we were out of town, so. Okay. I mean, it is what it is. All right. Thank you, mama. Hello, who's this? This Nick. Nick, you fell in love with a stripper, bro? Yeah, man, I think I'm in love with one right now. What's her name? Asia, baby. This is man Flawless, man. You got to stop playing with me. What is, yeah. Oh, Lord. Have you tried to holler at her outside of uh, office hours, sir, when she's not working? Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's cool, people. You know, I got the Instagram or whatever. I'll talk to her over here, kind of number. You know, we talked a little bit, but it's hard to get her out the club, man. It's Do you spend a lot of money in the club on her? Um, I spent a decent amount, but I think where the connection came at is when she uh, <laughs> came on the podcast. She came you know, on your podcast? Yeah, yeah, you know the Eagle Fed podcast. You know, she came on two different episodes. We called Stripper Soul. So we had her and a couple other people. I make a decent amount, but I think, you know, she, she get a lot of money already, so the money ain't going to get her. You know, she's used to it. So like, to, show her love, life. show her real love, like, like, like court her. You know what I'm saying? Like, like treat her the way you would want, like somebody to treat your daughter. You would want your father to treat your mom. Like you, you show her some real love. Good luck, man. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, right. Why not? 
Hello, who's this? This DJ. Hey, DJ, what's up, brother? You fell in love with a stripper, bro? Uh, nah, man, my baby mom's a stripper, man. A word. Congratulations. Yeah. Was, she, <laughs> was she a stripper before before or after y'all had the baby? I was with her before she, you know, she wouldn't be a stripper or whatever. And then she got a job at the strip club. Then I started DJing there. I mean, we were just co-parenting. We weren't together or nothing like that. You know what I mean? But, you know, that was my shorty. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay. Why y'all not together now? Oh, man. I had to leave that alone, man. That, that's like too crazy in there, man. I don't be liking to be in there no more, man. I be chilling out. I got other... I got other kids, man, and I got a job now. I'd just be chilling out, man. Well, maybe she needs to make you increase your child support so she don't got a script no more. You stupid. Hello, who's this? What up? This is Chris out of Baton Rouge, you hear me? Chris, what up, man? You, you fell in love with a stripper, bro? Oh, yeah, dog. Her name Miss Memphis, man. Oh, my God. She blew my mind. She gave you a lap dance and blew your mind and you in love. What's her name? Miss Memphis, man. So I, so I, I got the lap dance and I got her number and all that, and I hooked up with her again. And that second time I hooked up with her, when I went to the gas station, I got all kind of pills and stuff. Man, I couldn't even finish. I was, I, I got my money's worth. I'll tell you that. Damn. Damn gracious. I got my money's worth. All right, man. <sighs> Stay away from the gas station pills, man. <laughs> Lord have mercy on my poor soul. Man. What's that, man? What's the, what's the moral of the story? I mean, there is no moral of the story. Y'all brothers just got to stop letting y'all ego lead, man, because some of y'all ego be making y'all believe things that don't exist, like y'all relationships with these scrippers, all right? All a scripper owes you is a dance. That's it. And that's only because the relationship is transactional. You paid for a service. She provided that service. That's that. Y'all get to know each other outside of that. And you know something happens. Great. Other than that, goddamn tip and keep it moving. Lord have mercy. All right, we got more coming up next. Keep it locked. It's the best of The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. That's right, Mike Africa Jr. Welcome, brother. Thank you very much. Welcome, man. Mike, you are part of one of the the, the most interesting stories I heard over the past year. Somebody put me onto the whole the Move organization. Yeah. Tell tell the people what is the Move organization. The Move organization was founded by John Africa in 1972. Uh, the organization's mission is real simple: protect life. Mm -hmm. And when you got a mission like that, you kind of ruffle some feathers. And it was the self-sufficiency of the, the organization that I, that I was really intrigued by. Yeah, I mean, self-sufficiency for black people in this country is dangerous. You know, we, we saw what happened in Tulsa. That was all because of self-sufficiency. Rosewood, you know what I mean? Philly. Philly, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. They're dropping bombs on people just because you're self-sufficient and breaking away from their system and creating your own system. For mm -hmm. people that don't know, just break that down, the whole story, because a lot of people won't know what the yes. organization and was and what they did and how strong they were in Philly. So, And there's also should... a documentary, too, on HBO called 40 Years a Prisoner, too. Right. Mm -hmm. so, yes. so the organization started in 72 by John Africa, my great uncle. Mm -hmm. And um, the mission, simple, protect life. You know, if you see animals that need help, protect them. If you need see people that need help, help them. You know, and and when you're talking about like p protecting people from like police and judges and politicians that were crooked and dirty and not really doing their job, you know, they, they pushed back and they did. And so, um, you know, John Africa's a Korean War veteran and he saw the destruction of life and he, and he you know, got involved in protecting the environment. And um, look at like what's happening in the Keystone Pipeline. People mm -hmm. talking about protecting the environment. You know what I mean, and and um, so the si the system they pushed back, they came and they and they said you got to stop this. You know, move people at, at the protest against the zoo or the or the circus and said animals are, they're not supposed to be in these cages. You don't like being in a cage. Why are you gonna put them in a in a cage? They guys creatures just like us. So um, were they militant? Were they militant? Were was it, move it, militant? Yes. Yeah, 
Yeah, real militant. Mm-hmm. And especially at that time, you know, the revolutionaries at that time were suits and ties. You know, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King was just, you know, mm-hmm. not not long after, before that, same with Malcolm. And people was like, yo, what's up with this hair? And you know what I'm saying? This crazy hair. Dreads. Dreadlocks mm-hmm. wasn't popular in 1972. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Marley ain't really hit the states like that back then. And um, so they, 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 the police started coming at, at people, attacking people. And, and at one point- For no reason at all. For protesting. For protesting, unrelenting protesting. What were they protesting at the time? They were protesting against the Barnum and Bailey Ringling Brothers Circus. Mm-hmm. You know, animals, these animals, this tiger don't belong in no circus. It wasn't, you had to go steal that tiger from Bangladesh just like you had to steal Africans from Africa. Right. And, you and look at how they changed that. the circus today now, just in it, response. It took that long. Exactly. So um, pregnant women would be protesting against the, you know, these and things. And brutalized. And they were brutalized. And pregnant women were beaten, kicked in the miscarriage by the police. Mm-hmm. And then Move took a stand. They said, well, look, we're going to fight fire with fire. Y'all come at us next time. We're going to come back and we're going to protect ourselves and we're going to defend ourselves. An armed standoff, just like the Panthers. And um, that led to the police coming and they said, all right, well, Frank Rizzo, who was the mayor at the time, Trump of 1978, he said, all right, the police will be in there to drag them out by the backs of their necks. No question about that, children or not. And they came. So they had a house in, in Philly. How many people were in that house when they came? So the, the move had multiple houses around the city. You know, it's not a... And in Virginia, right? Virginia, yeah. We were in Virginia, too. Um, it's a, it, it, You know, it's a lot of people. So, you know, you don't you don't just live in one house. But mm-hmm. that was the, the, where we were at that time was the headquarters. Right. And at the time, it was like it was like 12 adults and a bunch of kids. Mm. And the police came and they, and they, they came with tear gas housing code violations too many people living in a house or whatever <laughs> that was like the reason housing code violations that's it nobody killed nobody nobody beat nobody we didn't nobody used a gun to do anything housing code violations the police came like 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 you saw the insurgents that's the way the police was coming through our house that's systemic racism within itself because they know that a lot of black people a lot of brown people they have to live in in, 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 a, in a house with multiple people because they can't afford to you know, you yeah, ain't nobody got red like that, mm-hmm. like that back so then. Call, Can I ask you call, this when it comes to, because we're talking about black people, right? But I know when the movement first started. Well, yeah, let was, me finish the story because he didn't get to the, the bombing and all that. I was, so, so what happened? I was going to say, so what happened after that? Because you, you, you didn't finish. So um, housing code violations, police come, 600 cops come. They shoot tear gas. They shoot. They're trying to flush people out the house. Y'all got to roll. And and the people was like, this is our house. We ain't leaving. And, and, um, and they started shooting tear gas and water cannons from the fire department. And that led to like um, uh, somebody started shooting. They said a thousand bullets. They said the police shot allegedly a thousand bullets into that house, or ten thousand bullets into that house. Something ten thousand rounds in ninety minutes. Oh my gosh, ninety minutes. So so okay. There's two different confrontations we're talking about though. This one that I'm talking about is the one when my parents got locked up. This was in 1978. Shot shots fired. Cop gets shot. He dies. Of course they blamed it on move. Judge mm-hmm. said. Well, we don't know who did it. They t- they checked my mom for powder burns. Nah, she she ain't shoot no gun. Don't matter. She was with everybody else. They acted in concert. They're family. We're going to sentence them as a family. 100 years each. Yeah. My mom was pregnant with me at the time. Yeah, you was born in I prison, right? I was born right? in the jail cell yeah. five weeks later. So they dropped a bomb on that house? So later, so then move, other move members start protesting about what happened. they like, yo, you can't give nobody 100 years each. That's 900 years for something you can't. The judge is saying, we don't even know if you did it, did it or not. Mm-hmm. But a cop died, so you're going to be punished for it. So move other move members start protesting. And as the protest is going on, the city's response to that was, well, we're going to put it into them. Mayor, mayor of Philadelphia, black mayor. Wilson first black Good. mayor, Wilson Good. 
we're going to put a permanent end to them. Flew a helicopter over our house, dropped a bomb on it. Holy cow. Black mayor. Black mayor. And you guys really went hard for him to be mayor, right? Because you thought there would be changes? He was saying that he was going to, he felt like move was innocent. He believed that the move nine were unjustly charged. And so he felt like he could help. He said, if you make me the mayor, I'll help. Yeah. I think his conscience kills him all the time about that because he's apologized a bunch of times, yes. right? He has apologized. And you know, the thing about that is when they dropped the bomb, 11 people died, right? Um, the founder, John Africa, my great uncle, my cousin, Frank, um, and nine, my caretaker. I, my, my mother's in prison. You know, I'm six years old. I ain't got no mother. I ain't got no father with me. So my caretaker, who was she was in the house too, Rhonda. Um, and it took another 33 years to actually get the other people out of jail. Wow. My Where, mom, were you? Where were you when the bomb went off? I was four miles away, 4.4 miles away watching the smoke in the air. Didn't know what was going on. I'm six, mm. right? You know, how do you explain a six-year-old, your family's dead, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I learned. when There was one survivor of the bombing, Ramona Africa. And um, she went to jail. They arrested her, put her in jail for riot and, and arson. And, like, blamed her for all of this stuff. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Mike Africa Jr. Charlemagne? How, how was, how was the, your family uh, misrepresented in the media? Oh, man. Let me tell you something. For <laughs> when I was growing up, I remember hearing these things. Move stands for monkeys on vines everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Um, move doesn't mean anything. It just means they like to move, right? That's actually kind of what it is. Movement is, is necessary, right? If mm -hmm. you don't move, you, you stagnate, right? Absolutely. But they would say other <clears throat> things like move needs to take a bath. They don't bathe. Rizzo said all the move needs is a good haircut and a bath to be free. Wow. You it's know, disgusting. You know what very I mean? And like, yeah. he was very, like, outwardly racist against yeah. us. And um, the media really played a huge part in, like, besmirching our name and, like, misrepresenting who we are and just making us look like we were just a bunch of crazy people who had no nothing to live for, nothing to fight for. Except for Mumia. Mumia was the only journal. He wasn't the only one, but he was, like, the main one that mm -hmm. would, like, tell the truth exactly what happened as Move said it. And like as the police said it too, like if you watch the documentary Forty Years of Prison on HBO Max, you see like um, there's different parts of that story that show like where the where the police were saying things like they took Delbert Africa to the hospital, but they should have taken him to the morgue. Mm -hmm. Right? He said that Mumia would show that he said that, and then he would the police would get mad like why would you say that we said that? And he'd be like, well, you said it. <laughs> You know what I mean? But back then, it was different. Activism in 1970-something was very different than it is in 2021. You know what I mean? Especially with people that look different, that act different, that took a radical stance against police. I that mean, were actually out there. That's the other thing, too. Y'all were actually out there, outside on the front line. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't a, a, a Twitter war. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was actually people out there on the at the police station, knocking on their door like, yo, we here to confront you about this situation, just like the Panthers. Right. You know what I mean? But if you talk about things and you confronting industries for the wrong they doing, they will drop a bomb e on you. Even Momia as a journalist. Like, you know what I mean? For him just reporting the truth. Like, you think that didn't make him a target? Just because he's... he. And right now, his current situation? Right now, today, Momia has been in prison for 39 years. Mar December 9th will be 40 years. And there's, there's so much evidence that proves that he's innocent. There's another person who actually confessed to the murder. He said it was a mob hit, right? He said it was a mob hit. Mm -hmm. And yet Mumia is still in prison. And then, you know, I I had this 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 thing. I, I told somebody, I said, if they ask me about Mumia, 
I, I want to say something about this situation, about Maureen Faulkner specifically, the the, the dead, the, the the slain cop's wife, mm-hmm. ex-wife, or you know however it goes. You well, know, it's, it's real unfortunate that that this situation is what it is, and I I. I ain't, I ain't never really liked cops just because of what they did to our family. But mm-hmm. I don't want to see a man die. I don't want to see a, a, a wife, a widow, right? Because um, that's what move is about. Move is about life. It's about life. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, it's, it's really messed. I know what it looked like to see people's loved ones die, mm-hmm. to see them cry and complain and, and, and just go through this thing. And, like, you know, but I just know that for Maureen Faulkner, killing Mumia, that's not going to bring her closure. Right. Mm. It ain't going to make her feel better. Mm. I, check this out. Some of the children that were killed on May 13th, 1985, some of the children that were killed were actually shot to death by the police mm. as they were trying to escape the house, escape the burning building in the back alley. Sambor, the police commissioner, right? His son, years later, his son was shot and killed in the back alley of his house, right? Wow. And I watched move members who lost their children in that back alley. I watched them watch the news about what happened to their to this man right. and his son and I watched how they processed that information it didn't make them feel better it didn't change their view it didn't help them it didn't give them any closure in fact it made it, ang- it made them angrier because they expected it to make them feel better they hoped it would make them feel better so i would say that the only thing that i've seen that gave them any pleasure any closure was the love that they could put into their own families and when you when you spoke to the mayor right you spoke to the mayor after everything years later yeah which one rizzo or good 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 Good. did did it make you feel better now he was the mayor that gave the okay to bomb that house how was that conversation i I read somewhere you said you vomited after the, the the meeting but how was that meeting, and how was he during that meeting, bro? That was the worst. That was the worst feeling I ever had in my life. To like have to sit across and talk to the mayor that bombed my family. Mm. That was the worst thing I ever had to do in my life. Mm. The hardest how, thing. How is that even legal? How are they able to do that? <sighs> A lot of things ain't legal, but legality don't really mean much when it comes to government. Because that's, ter- that's domestic terrorism. How, that's where, where, war, the, that's war. where did the, 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 the police get a bomb from? Yeah, anything is legal when they when they want to do it, right? Like you know, they just create this and make this stuff up. How and you then do. you're trying to escape, and they're shooting Shoot, you so in the crazy. back. And Alan. so and so talking to the mayor, did he apologize? He did, he did. And let me make something real clear: mm-hmm. it wasn't easy to do that, and it wasn't something that I wanted to do. My family nominated me to do it because our people were in prison and they were dying in prison, and the mayor Wilson Good. After the bombing, he had made a statement. He said he was sorry for what happened. He wished he could change it. And he said that if there was anything that he could do, he would try to help. So there was a street sign. He was being honored with his very own street sign, Wilson Goodway. That's crazy. And the public in Philly just went off. They went crazy. And so he was like, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could have. I wish I could change it. If there's anything that we could do, you know. So he, my family nominated me to go talk to him. I went and talked to him. I said, there's something you can do. You can help me free my family. And he did. He helped. He did. He helped. He wrote support letters. He offered them jobs if they needed it. Well, how many How many got out? How many family members got out? Once we, once we put that in motion, my, my dad came home, and then everybody else came home. Question. Two things. Does the apology matter? Yeah. Did it matter for you? Did it matter as to far me? As, as far as your own on a person, healing? On a personal level? Yeah, no. Yeah. 
Okay. Now, on a personal level, nah. It matters publicly. Mm-hmm. And it matters when you're dealing with politicians. And it mm-hmm. matters when you're trying to take th- take things from one step to the other. But personally, nah, it don't matter. My so, family's still gone. Absolutely. So you got him to apologize. So now that he apologized, that's an admission of guilt. Yeah. Right? So now you can hold him accountable. And you did. Could you? Yeah. Was that enough to get you closer to healing, I guess? Getting the family released? Uh, Oh, yeah. For me, for mm-hmm. me personally, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, okay. see, bro, like... All I want to do is is, is is like honor the legacy of my family. Right. There's nothing more important to me than my family. And to see my family come home, even if they're mad about something, even if they don't like the fact that I went and talked to Wilson Good, the fact that they home and breathing free air right. and eating free food, hey, that's good enough for me. So your father was in jail for 40 years, yeah. right? You grew up without your mom or, or dad. Right. What was it like when they came home? <laughs> it was euphoric. I mean, it was like, um, I mean, I never did drugs before, but for the people that talk about how good it make them feel, that's how I felt. I mean, it felt like I was floating on cloud, like cloud nine for real. Like I, I felt so good and and it lasts for so long. Like to be, I, I remember one time my mom came home, we we sat on this um on this chest that I built, right? I built this little thing outside of my outside of my bathroom door. And, we, and I sat on it one day, we sat on it together. We started talking around seven o'clock PM and, and we didn't stop talking until the sun came up. Wow. Until it was time for me to go to work. Wow. You know what I mean? A lot to catch up on. You know what I'm saying? And it just <laughs> felt so good to like to like be able to do that. When I when, when my mom called me on the phone, like I don't have to limit our conversation, but I can if I need to though. Wow, wow. You know what wow, I mean? Wow. I can say, yeah, Mom, yeah, I'll yeah. call you back. I ain't never been able to yeah, say that before. Yeah. You know, so it just wow. it felt real good to be able to see her eat some of the food she wanted to be able to eat, so get you know, medical attention that she she needed, you know. Just to see her family members that she hadn't seen for a long time, ailing older uh, aunts and uncles. It's, you know, freedom is real important. All right, we have more with Mike Africa Jr. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Mike Africa Jr. Charlemagne. I feel like the city of Philadelphia, the, the, the state of Pennsylvania, owes y'all some type of reparation. Well, you know, let me tell you about this, bro. It gets worse. After they dropped the bomb. Mm-hmm. They killed all the people. Mm-hmm. They didn't give the bodies back to the families. What? what? It it appears that the that the uh, University of Pennsylvania, the medical examiner's office of, of Philadelphia, stole their bodies. Wow. For what reason? Did, was there a reason? Research. For Research. Yeah. yeah we yeah, just yeah, found yeah. out. We just found out in April of 2021 that Penn Museum and Princeton mm. had this research study losing personhood. A, a, Quest in anthropology, whatever it's called, and they taught that to over five thousand students, and they were holding up bones from the people that were murdered. Wow! So it's like, oh yo, God. and it gets worse than that. Like, so just recently, the mother of one of those girls that that they that we found out about, like she she found out about this, thought her daughter was buried, right? She found out about it. A month later, she died. Wow. The city of Philadelphia and the and the and the Penn Museum and and Princeton. I don't even know what I don't know I don't I just think about this like for myself as a black man from Philly, right? Mm-hmm. If I went to somebody's grave and just took their bodies and was like posting it up, yo, yo, hey yo, Charlemagne, we're gonna do this thing, right? Yo, give me five, give me get your boys together. We're gonna I'm gonna show you these bones that I got from these Jewish people, right? And we're gonna, you know what I'm saying? And and, and just bring your peoples, right? And, and, and pay me and I'm gonna show you these bones. They stay some serious specimens right here. Mm, five thousand people. And then you know what they said when we when we confronted them on it? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I couldn't do that. 
Uh. If I had known you wanted them back, I'd have gave them to you. We've been so used to y'all being our property and us having license over y'all bodies all of these years. We didn't think it would be different when you died. Yeah. Like, what's the problem? You know, and and, and then taking pictures with them in front of, like, a, a wall of skulls that they stole from African graves. I was on Mark Lamont Hill's show the other day, right? Who's Mark? And I was like, yo, this is how they turn peaceful people into violent people. Absolutely. Because it's like, what are you supposed to do? If right. I did that to one of those people down there, what would they do to me? If I did took one of them cops that, that shot one of my move brothers and sisters, if I went down there, they crib and was like, yo, you coming with me, kill you, and then you know, burn you up and then walk around with your body in the back of my in the back of my pocket and like and drive it around in my car. Like that's And crazy. the irony is we're the ones that get labeled with the stereotype of being violent. Violent, <laughs> gross, crazy. <laughs> Everything that they said we were they, is exactly yes, what they are. Times how 100. little they value our lives and Absolutely. then you can say black lives matter and they get mad about <laughs> saying that. Oh oh they, no police lives matter. Right. Blue lives matter. Blue lives matter, yeah. So, so you, you think the residents of um of that, of that neighborhood or the families will ever be co- compensated? No. Never. Yeah. Nah, man. Like, them people... It's, Are y'all fighting for that? I'm fighting for justice for all. Okay. Like, I, like for real, I'm on this on this campaign, Justice for Move. And and within that, the the Osage neighbors, the ones that are still alive, because most of them are gone now. I mean, that was 36 years ago. And a lot of them were, you know, older people then. Mm-hmm. And so I'm fighting for justice. That's my job. Just my, my campaign. Justice and there was for no repercussion for the, the cops or for the judge or for the mayor or, or nothing. Like, they got granted immunity. Right. They were granted qualified immunity. And the judge said there was a ruling that, uh, OK, we're going to make them pay. The jury said we're going to make them pay a dollar a week. For their crime, which is disrespectful. That's very disrespectful. But the judge took that away. He said, "Nah, we ain't even doing that." Immunity. And they did forensics and saw that the bullets came from the outside of the house because at first they were trying to say somebody was shooting from inside the house at the cops. But the truth is, they determined. "Mm -hmm." Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like, so what happens? So so one of the one of my Johns for for justice. I say, John, I'm from Philly. Like, That's all right. We, we got, know. We know exactly know. what you mean. I say, okay. I did radio in Philly for like ten, there you um, go. eight months. So one of my Johns <laughs> in Philly is. <laughs> he made it like a ten years. I, I know. This is a year. He said, wait, eight months. But you know what John is if you've Absolutely. been eight months. So one of my Johns is accountability. Like if we if we talking about change, what happened in Tulsa is a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. and them people they never got no accountability. Right. Right. There's got to be accountability. How Absolutely. you how you going just what would make them stop doing these things if there was no accountability? They haven't stopped. That's the crazy part. You know, they ain't have they haven't stopped. They ain't going to stop unless somebody stop them. And think about how people could be thriving today if they were able to access what was theirs and their families generationally. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like my dad is so smart. He grew, Villanova graduate from prison. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we we we've lost so much that they've taken from us. Just you know, they just hate, they just hate everything about us because they ain't us. I, w- I want to ask you about that. Why do you think the same country, America, that tells us pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, attacks us, uh-huh. and takes our boots whenever we do just that? <laughs> man, because we I'm telling you, man, they got they got complexes about us. They mad, they mad because they ain't got what we got. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the people like, you know, I, I, I saw a flag flying the other day. It said, "Give me liberty or give me death." And I looked at that, John, and I said, man, that, that couldn't have been no black person that wrote that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or of course. It, it ain't going to be no Spanish person that say that. Mm-hmm. Not in this country. Mm-mm. You say something like that, they will oblige you. That's right. You know, um, but but what we do have, man, we got so much. We got creativity. 
we got love um, uh, like we got we got a, a love like the mothers in the black community that love their kids like when you see that and like you know like our they they just they just got a problem with us because we us you know but that that's their problem that's right what, what does what does justice look like for you um i think justice for me look like do unto others as you would have them do unto you well you can never expect a white man to do that <laughs> you can't expect a white man <laughs> <laughs> nah you can't but you know what with the with, with people understanding the importance of these of these situations and then and then white people are starting to get affected by this stuff too that's right mm-hmm. they started right. it's, it's this these things that we was complaining about as black people and as and as as minority people white people starting to complain about them yeah because they're doing the same thing to poor white people in a lot of a lot of yeah. cases and and those poor white people have connections and then then and then and then white women be loving black men mm-hmm. and then vice versa mm-hmm. so like they be integrating and connecting so it's like our problem is be, is becoming their problem too, but I'm saying do one to others if you would have them do unto you. I think what justice looked like to me is if I did that to one of them, they should get the tr- same treatment that they would give me. Not in this caste system, right, but, but America's th- that's the way. And, and if and if they can't, then what they do? They give reparations. They 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 teach about it. They still talking about Christmas addicts. They still talk. Uh, um, not Christmas addicts. They still talking about Columbus. Paul Revere. Oh, Paul Revere. And, and and um, the red coats are coming. Like. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm saying the Red Coast is coming. Like, let's, let's, the same way that they wanted freedom from their oppressor, we want mm-hmm. freedom. And if you can't get it, then we want to fight for it. We appreciate you for joining us and sharing your story. And, and how do people reach you? I'm on Instagram at Mike Africa Jr., Twitter, uh, Facebook. Um, and that's where I'm at. And, and also, you can, same thing, www.mikeafricajr.com. All right. Is this about to be a movie, too? I feel. Yo, the last three calls I got were Oscar-winning film directors. And Somebody I know, too? or Probably. Okay. I mean, it's their household <laughs> names. They're not even mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Gotcha. you know what I mean? Right. They household names, probably for sure, you know. Yeah, but it matters so much who also works with you to tell the story. I Look, would... I got three rules. The, the, the policy of the organization that I'm, that I'm bringing hard for anybody is, number one, we speak for ourselves. Number two, if you want to tell our story, we will steward that project. Number three, if you don't want to do either one of the one and two, we protest in the That's right. Because we, we speak for ourselves. We hear. We not. This is not. This is not a hundred years later where we ain't here no more. We mm-hmm. right here. And mm-hmm. if you just want to try to go over our head, nah, nah. We got to speak for ourselves because they done did too much d- damage to our reputation. Damn right. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't do it with with any production company that's not black or from Philly. I, I definitely want to do it with somebody from Philly, um, but. Like the producer that did um, 40 Years a Prisoner, he's from Philly, Tommy Oliver. Mm-hmm. So we definitely want somebody that recognize uh, us as us and who we are. So that's definitely important. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Let's though. put that out in the atmosphere. Let's put it out there. Put that out there. It's Mike Africa Jr. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Hey, it's Angela Yee. Don't let weak hair hold you back. Carol's Daughter's Goddess Strength Collection supports hair as it gets longer for hair that's 15 times stronger after one use. Available at carolsdaughter.com and your local retailer. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Hey, listen, if you hear me talking to you right now, that means I'm not really here. Okay, we're on vacation. It's a best of show. But, you know, donkey of the day, I remember 10 years ago when I started this segment, um, I said that I hope that one day, you know, it'll grow to be a legendary, you know, radio segment. It's still not up for me to say that, but we've had some pretty good ones. Okay, they say this one is a classic. Here you go. It's 
donkey of the day. Donkeys of the day, ask Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being donkey of the day is a little bit of a mixed one. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the day. <laughs> the breakfast club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but donkey of the day is a new one. Well, okay, let me blow my nose. Uh, okay. Listen, donkey of the day goes to self-love ambassador, entrepreneur, social media relationship expert, Arthur. He's wrote books like Heal Together Without Hurting Each Other. He wrote another book called Single Mothers Are For Grown Men Only. And he even wrote a book called A Cheating Man's Heart, <laughs> a fiction novel. Uh, I put fiction novel in air quotes because based on all these new developments, it's safe to say Derek Jackson's book, A Cheating Man's Heart, was probably based on a true story. Now, Derek has built a following, basically calling men out on their behavior, okay, holding men accountable. I'm not mad at that. He's done it to me. He's done it to Little Duval. He's done it to Gilly the King. He's done it to Isaac Hayes III. This is his thing, okay, holding men accountable. And I'm fine with that. I had him on my podcast, Brilliant Idiots, a few years ago. And on that podcast, we promised to hold each other accountable. Well, Derek Jackson, it's your turn to be held accountable. Okay, let's just get right to it. Derek Jackson is full of shit, okay? The what? <laughs> I can't curse, and you know that. So you, you say, oh, what? <laughs> he, yes, he's Thank full you. of that, okay? He's a liar, a textbook narcissist and manipulator who gets what he wants at the expense of other people's well-being. This is a guy who will get online and say this about men who have cheated. I have no sympathy for a man who finds it to be difficult to be faithful after being in a promiscuous lifestyle, and neither should you. Nobody told you to be promiscuous before the relationship, and nobody made you be monogamous with just her. You don't want her, let another man have her. Simple. And more times, I would say nine times out of ten, when the dude gets caught cheating, that was, wasn't his very, very first time cheating. That was his only time getting caught. I agree with you, Derek. <laughs> okay. And guess what? Derek Jackson himself is a cheater. Oh, he just got exposed by a woman named Candace. Uh, I can't pronounce her last name, but, but Derek Jackson, who is a married man, bought this woman to Atlanta to stay in his house. He shares with his wife and kids. The woman, Candace, who Derek was cheating with, actually took pictures of her laying in the bed. He shared with his wife in their Atlanta home. Derek Jackson, who spells his last name J-A-X-N. Why? I don't know. That bothers me. Jackson may be a slave name, but when it comes to black people, it's one of the greatest last names you can ever have. Why would you hack that? I mean, when you're talking Jacksons, you're talking Samuel L., Janet, Jesse, Bo, Randy, Mahalia, and of course, Michael. But actually, I'm glad you don't spell your last name Jackson because you don't deserve to be in that Jackson power ranking, okay? If you were, you would be at the bottom right under Andrew. You know Andrew Jackson, 7th President of the United States, uh, slave master, ethnic cleanser, tyrant. If you actually spelled your last name Jackson correctly, you would be at the bottom of the list near him because of the level of evil that you display. Yes, my brother. See, what we're going to do here today is stop the shenanigans. Okay, see, my father always told me that when you lie, you're not lying to nobody but yourself. And I have watched you since this story broke just lie and attempt to continue to manipulate the public. I mean, that's what you do. You manipulate people. You get online and have these bad faith arguments, which is also textbook narcissism, meaning you don't care about or even try to understand the people that you speak about. You said it yourself. I don't have no sympathy for a man who cheats. Not only do you not care or attempt to understand the people you're talking about to have any sympathy or empathy. All right. You are dedicated to deliberately misunderstanding and mischaracterizing others to make yourself look good. 
you like to paint other men as being dishonest and deceptive and morally corrupt. Why? Because you're a narcissist and that's what narcissists do, project their BS onto other people. The reason you love to paint men as dishonest, deceptive and morally corrupt is because that's what you are. See, Derek, I waited to give you donkey because I wanted to see how you would react to all of this and you reacted by doing what you've been doing all this time and that's lying. See, I saw the first video you posted when you first addressed the allegations. You said that you and your wife were separated during that time and that you and Candace have had a sexual relationship without actually having sex. Listen, I'm in screw it mode, F it mode. I'm hitting up old chicks. I really don't care at this point. One of those people was a girl named Candace. Now, here's the thing. So me and Candace have had a sexual relationship without actually having sex. Fallacies, nonsense, word salad, lies, denying changing definitions. This is textbook narcissism, people. Lying about what happened, denial, delusion, trying to confuse us to make us doubt the reality of, this, reality of the situation. See, narcissists are often ill-equipped to have mature discussions or resolve conflicts, but in their mind, they are experts at it. Okay, he don't even really understand what he's saying, but in his mind, he's being rational, reasonable, and correct. But the reality is, this nigga just lying. That's why what he's saying don't make no sense, okay? We had a sexual relationship but didn't have sex. That's why it's just an incoherent rant with no logic because it's a lie. Then hours later, hours later, Derek Jackson came back online with his wife to admit that he did cheat and that he was unfaithful to his wife. Listen to this guy. The truth is, is that Derek Jackson was involved with other women outside the marriage. And by involved, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about just casually kicking it, maybe a lunch or something like that. I'm talking about as serious as sex. First name, nigga, last name, please. Derek, if nobody else has told you, what you did to your wife was wrong. All right, she had nothing to do with this. She wasn't with you when you was out here cheating with these women, so she shouldn't be with you when you're doing damage control. This story has nothing to do with her. Nothing. And what's sad is you are more concerned about saving your business than you are about saving your marriage. You are more concerned about what we think of you than you are about what your wife thinks of you. King, if you're going to use your wife as a human shield, like Nino Brown used that kid as a human shield in New Jack City, at least get her glammed up, okay? You got her up there looking like she forgot it was a second part to the Busted Challenge. I was waiting for her to drop and come up fresh, but that never happened. And guess what? You don't care. You didn't care about the backlash she could receive. You be on social media all the time. You know how cruel people are. Not only does your wife have to heal from your infidelity now, she has to heal from the bullying that she is currently receiving online. But a narcissist like you don't give a damn because your goal as a narcissist is to dominate and be perceived as right at all costs. Do you know the complex your wife is going to have now? It's impossible to not be impacted by what people say about you online. Ain't enough God and Jesus in the world. You can put on the whole armor of God and God will protect you, but you still gonna feed into what people are saying. And you could have protected your queen from all that because she had nothing to do with it. This is about you and your behavior. If she forgives you, great, but that don't mean drag her out and have her on your arm looking like a damn puppet off Crank Acres and you the chief manipulator controlling all her movements, but that's what narcissists do. They deflect, attack, project. That's why he had his wife there, to deflect. Then he started talking about John Gray because Shade Room asked him a question. You should have just ignored that, but you can't because narcissists love to shift attention from what they are saying and doing. This brother Derek Jackson went so far as to deflect and blame Jesus. Listen. At that point, I had a beef with God. I gave my life to Christ and my whole life fell apart. My marriage fell apart. At this point, I'm not seeing my kids. And I really honestly just went to a place of, of effort. 
it's the audacity for me. I've never heard a person say I gave my life to God and now my life is effed up. That's not how that works. Derek, God told me to tell you, stop lying, nigga. Okay, God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, they don't got nothing to do with your ways. In fact, they told me to remind you that this is nothing but the devil. That's who should be getting the blame here, the devil. And the devil's name is Derek Jackson. You're the liar. You're the manipulator. You're the narcissist. Giving your life to Christ didn't eff your life up. You eff your life up because you live in a lie and you had the nerve to blame God. You did the same thing to Jesus that you did to your wife. Bought Jesus into it for no reason. But the reason you do this is because you never truly have to take responsibility for their toxic behavior. That's what narcissists do. Narcissists do things like this. The only reason he bought Jesus up is because he never truly wants to take responsibility for his bad behavior. Derek, I decided to give you donkey today after what I heard you say last night because it confirmed for me what I already knew. You are a textbook narcissist. Like you need to be studied. See, gaslighters, narcissists love to speak in the third person. Why? Because it distances them from their actions. Listen to this dude yesterday sitting in the car. Listen. I hope he understands that all the accountability in the world is not going to rebuild broken trust. Not on a personal level and even with the public that he's addressing. Like, even his most loyal supporters at this point will probably have a raised eyebrow from this point forward whenever he wants to condemn another man for something like this, and, and rightfully so. So hopefully he understands that. Nonetheless, I know some people will see this type of video, even though he's come forward and he's been completely honest. Um, some people are just gonna close the book on D. I'm more so on the side of his wife and just basically letting this be a new chapter of how I see him. Because I do believe that his content over the years has helped a tremendous amount of people. Lord you know, he tells mercy. the truth, he speaks facts. And quite honestly, I'm gonna be real with y'all, I've needed several new chapters in my own life. When gaslighters, narcissists feel that not enough people are praising them, they praise themselves. Speaking in third person is a reassurance to the gaslighter narcissist that he is worthy of adoration. Derek, it's just simply time for you to shut the F up forever. Take a break. I know last year with COVID, money probably was tight because you weren't getting booked for speaking engagements to show up to lie to people. And I know you see your business crumbling before your eyes, but King, just go get help. You need to do some real soul searching. You need to do some real therapy and you need to fix what's wrong with you. Don't get online today trying to project, deflect and attack anyone else. Prove to us that you are not a narcissist by shutting the hell up. I challenge you to disable all your social media and go away for some months, vanish. I know as a narcissist, you believe that you can talk your way out of this situation, but no. Cause see, if you don't stop now, I, I know where you're going to go from here. What's going to happen is instead of really taking responsibility for your actions, you're going to continue to deflect and start attacking other people. And that's when it's going to get bad for you. Because right now it's just Candace. Well, man, oh, man, there's so many women that are ready to talk about how you tried to holler at them. And if you don't stop while you're ahead, it's going to get worse. And I know it may feel like it can't get worse, but Derek, it absolutely can. Just go away for a while. I know you got an extremely fragile ego and shaky self-esteem. You're going to be online looking for the handful of people who are still stupid enough to support you. You're going to be reposting them and retweeting them to receive more false validation, looking for folks to side with you and tell them that you are right and good and blah, blah, blah. Well, you can prop your wife up. You can deflect and attack others, blame others, act like you're happily married now and continue to use this situation to promote that book of lies you have on your website with you and your wife on the cover. But since you, the narcissist, like to speak in third person, let's end this with Derek Jackson giving a piece of advice to Derek Jackson. Listen. Public service announcement. Marriage doesn't make a man marriage material. See, through the media and sometimes firsthand experience, marriage has been marketed as what it could and really should be. A long-lasting, beautiful union, but it's not a magic trick that wipes away a dude's ain't ways forever. You can go get the prettiest ribbon you can find and put it on a turd. It's still gonna be a piece of I agree, Derek. You can put a ribbon on a piece of and it's still a piece of okay? And if you've proved anything to us this week, it's that you, sir, are a piece of can you change that? Sure, we all grow. But you have to make a commitment to yourself and not this idea of yourself that you have created. 
online. Please let Remy Ma give Derek Jackson the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw, you stupid motherfucker. Are you dumb? All right. Mm-hmm. Woo. Well said. <laughs> well said. All right. Thank you for that donkey today. Now, don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Best of The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building, our guy, our friend, Joe Coy. Let's go. You got an autobiography y'all called Mixed Plate Chronicles of an All-American Combo. Thank what does that mean, so Joe? Uh, the, the title, Mixed Plate? Yes. You know, uh, Hawaii is one of my favorite places to go. They have a they have a dish, if you've ever been to Hawaii, called Mixed Plate. And when you look at that dish, it has all these amazing items on there. It's got Korean barbecue, Japanese uh, you know, teppanyaki. It's got it's got everything on there. It's got tempura. It's got spam. It's got mac salad. It's got everything on it. Individually, all that stuff is delicious. But you put it all on one plate, it's just beautiful. And and that's how I I look at uh, my life here. And I just look at it as just like we all, if we could just all mix together on one plate, will be beautiful. Interesting. Mm. And you have recipes in the book as well with all the Come different on. chapters. I had Come to. On. I had to. I had to put it on there. <laughs> I got. I got. I got to be an ambassador for our food, Angela. I was like, I should try this chicken. What is it? Adobo. Chicken adobo. I had I'm chicken adobo. You, where did you have it? I think I had it at um Nicole's restaurant. What's Nicole's restaurant in uh? Cheapney. Cheapney. Yeah, it's I had amazing. Chicken adobo. I had chicken it's adobo. Amazing. You know what I love, Charlemagne? What? Your beard looks like Envy's old beard before he painted it. Because mine is real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I let my grades come in. I'm not hiding them like Envy is. I don't know what y'all talking about. Shout to DJ Khaled. Shout to Rick Ross. Shout to Diddy. Shout to Kevin Hart. I don't know what y'all talking about. Shout out Why to Why are you Craig. trying to bring everybody down with you? Just not, because you I'm did. Just, don't, I'm just shouting my yeah, people's out. You, you did kind of hate on some other people by doing that. I'm just, just shouting stay, out. I'm just shouting you, him out. That's all. You should have shouted out Sharpie, Crayon. <laughs> right. That's, That's like right. if you get a cheater right. and you shout out all the other cheaters. Yep. Like, you you should have shouted out JFM. JF. What else, JF? <laughs> uh, just, just for men. Just for exactly. He keeps <laughs> saying the beard is real, but the color is not. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Joe, does your book <laughs> focus more on like your background and upbringing, or like the journey once you make it made it into comedy? I wanted to tell people just how hard it was for me to to make it, you know, in this entertainment business and the struggle it was just being a mixed kid growing up. You know, we talk about systemic racism now and I really didn't even know what that was, Charlemagne, until this is all, you know, in, in light now, you mm -hmm. know, but I didn't know I was actually a part of it until I started reading my book back in the uh, in the studio and I was like, God damn, I was part of this. I was part of this type of systemic racism, being put in certain groups or not being able to do certain shows because of what I was talking about or what I look like or, you know what I mean? It was just, I didn't really know it until I started writing the book and I was like, wow, just how my mom went through her struggles, you know, in the 80s, you know, being an Asian woman raising these kids by herself in America and just dealing with the racism that she had to face. Were you, you ever know? able to assimilate, Joe, a little bit? Did, did anybody ever mistake you for just a white guy? No, 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 no. They, it, they always looked at me weird. Like mm -hmm. I had the hazel eyes, like they're light, mm -hmm. but then, but, but the, the roundness wasn't there. 
they always noticed. They were like, mm, what are you? Yeah, what yeah. is that? Mm. What is this? Was it very difficult to I write had, this book? Was it was it difficult going back on some of the feelings and some of the things that you had to think about? How difficult? Yeah, uh, the most difficult part was writing about my brother, and you know, I, you know, it was hard for me to talk about my brother. But I I will say this, and I told Charlemagne this before that, you know, when I when you brought up mental health and you know you you put it out there and 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 make people accept it, you know, because I mean? a lot of people that have to deal with mental issues, mental health issues. Uh, and I hate saying this publicly, you're embarrassed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially when you grow up with a brother that has, uh, you know, schizophrenia and, uh, and, the, and the trauma that it put our family through. And I'm not, and I'm not saying my brother's a bad guy. He's, you know, he, he had mental health issues and it, and it was very strenuous in our family. And, and, and it, was, it was a hard time. But I also went through this time where I didn't want to talk about it. Like I would always go, Oh, do you have any siblings? I'd always say, Oh, I got two sisters, but I would never say my brother. Cause I knew once they asked me about my brother, it would go into this whole other world of like, Oh, where is he? And I got to tell him that he's in the hospital. And then I got to talk about his mental health issues. And then I felt like I'm the only one mm -hmm. and it just sucked. So yeah. being able to, you know, especially like people like you, Charlemagne, and just like how now people are open about men mental health and, you, you don't feel alone anymore. Mm -hmm. So like, like, like I know how important therapy is now. It, it is very important. And that therapy today. The, yeah, man. Just, yo, I'm telling you, Charlotte, when I read this in the studio, I had to do the audio version. I, that was the best therapy session of my life, man. Just reading the, the chapter on my brother alone. I remember I cried at the end. I remember I had to take a break. And I just remember this, this weight being lifted like, yo, it's out. Wow. It's finally out. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, everyone knows now and, mm -hmm. and I love it. And, uh, and, and by the way, I love my brother. It's, it, this is no way, uh, I'm not trying to say anything bad. My brother's a, he's one of the funniest guys in the family. It's just, mm -hmm. he's dealing with, you know, mental health issues mm -hmm. and, and we're not alone. I just want everyone to know that you're not alone. Word. And that's difficult. You were very honest about that. Cause I'm sure there were times you felt like your life could have been in danger. Your mom's life could have oh. been in danger. So Just many times. Mm -hmm. Oh man, we had so many cops at the house. You know, it, it was always physical. There was always jail time for my brother. You know, always in and out of hospitals. So, yeah, it was it was traumatizing, man, as a kid. And you know, and, you know, I didn't like talking about it. I really didn't. You know, how how do you feel about that? Because you, you would be the per perfect person to ask. You know, let's say something happens with your brother that that is violent. And you said he had to go to jail. Is that necessarily right? Because mentally he wasn't right. So he might not have known what he was doing. But do no. you still put somebody like that in jail? Or do you say, no, we understand he wasn't in his right mind at the time. Let's continue to give him help and not do jail. Because he doesn't know what he did wrong. So is jail really what he should be sent to? I think jail is, you know, the initial. You know what I mean? What he did, you know, his, he would be physical with people. He would hurt people. You know what I mean? And... They don't know. They're just, they're arresting somebody, but immediately he always gets into the, you know, immediately he goes right back into the system. He, he gets, he stays in the hospital and, you know, he gets the, 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 the medicine that he needs and the therapy that he needs. But it, it's, it's a struggle with my brother. It's, it's, it's hard, man. You know, my brother just called me three days ago. It was his birthday. And, uh, you get, you get a glimpse, you get mm -hmm. a small glimpse, man, the window opens and there's Robert and you just, you love it and, and you enjoy it. And then boom, the window closes and, and, and that's the hard pill to swallow. That's the part you're just like, man, you know, 
-hmm. So that that's that it, it's it's it, it felt good to be able to talk about that in the book. Word. All right, we got more with comedian Joe Coy. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with comedian Joe Coy. Yee. I had texted Joe Coy also when I was reading it just to tell him that I thought the book was excellent just because it's not just about jokes and about being funny, but it really is a hard path that you had to go through to even get to where you are today. It Thank took you, you like... 15 years, yeah, pretty much. It took me 15 years just to get on The Tonight Show. And just always dealing with like, oh, I don't think they'll get it. You know, you might want to not talk about that. It's just like stuff like that was just kind of like whack. You know what I mean? But I would listen to it because it was just like, all right, well, this is this is normal, right? I, I got to adjust. I got to I got to adapt to whatever it is to get me in. But it, it just sucked, man. It feels you know, to me, Joe, like when you when you started. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just like you know, no one really knows the struggle of, of being a half white, half Asian kid, being raised by a Filipino mom, dad. You know, you know, dad moved out, and now here's my mom that just got to this country, and she's dealing with racism all around her. But she's just like, even though she's American, she feels like a visitor, so she doesn't want to approach anybody when they're doing something messed up you know what i mean and here i am a little kid seeing my mom go through that it's just like it's up. i didn't like there's this one story i wrote about my mom when we went upstairs to go claim some prize that we won at the mall and uh and this kid turned around and pulled his eyes back on my mom and i just remember like like when i wrote about it just i, I just i couldn't believe how much trauma that caused me because i knew it by detail you know what I mean? And I remember my mom putting her hand on my head, just going, he doesn't know Joseph. He's just being funny. Like, that's just her accepting the fact that this is normal. You know what yeah, I mean? And, yeah. she's, and she's scared to say anything because in her mind, she's a visitor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just, oh, he doesn't know Joseph. He's just being funny. But like, no, that's fucked up. You know? And, mm -hmm. and, and she doesn't need to go through that. And now, like, you need to have a voice and you need to be able to say something. And I'm glad... We're in a time uh, that we're in right now where people are vocal and, and, and we have platforms that'll support that now. We don't have to wait till six o'clock evening news and hope to God that they talk about something that happened locally in Seattle to let the world know that. If something happens in Seattle, we're, everyone's gonna know about it. We're going to Instagram, we're going to Facebook, we're going to, we're gonna let everybody know what happened. And, I, and, and, you know, gonna... and, and I'm glad that because it's like as a kid growing up, you would see all these jokes all the time, like whether it was jokes around yeah. Asian people or jokes around Caribbean people or black people or yeah. Jewish people. And when, when kids made jokes, nine times out of ten, they got it from their parents or family members. But you don't realize how much it can hurt somebody until you get older and you start realizing yeah. that it's good that we're having these conversations now. So hopefully parents will teach their kids a lot different than we were taught or that, you know, we've seen it, you know, in our day. Yeah, exactly. And like now we now we have that voice where we're like, no, you don't have to go through that. You know, I was doing I did this uh, documentary for uh, uh, Guy Tory, Right. And we, we were talking about Fat Tuesdays over at the comedy store. And uh, and that was one of the rooms that that accepted me right away. But like if you really look at at the show and the reason why it was on a Tuesday night, like does anyone really understand why the all black show was on a Tuesday night? It's because it's the only night no one wants to go to a club. Correct. It's the night that no one wants to pay for a ticket. Mm -hmm. You gotta beg for someone to come do a free show, but here's the hottest ticket in town. You know what I mean? And it was at the store. It's like, 
why were those shows okay? You know what I mean? Why, why do we have to give them a theme? Like, oh, the Black Knight? Well, let's give it a hip-hop name. You know what I mean? And no disrespect, Guy, Guy did what he had to do because that was the norm. He was just accepting the fact that it was a, a night. Like, thank you for giving me this night. I'm going to blow it up. And it's to this day, it's right. still like legend. No one put out as many uh, stars as Fat Tuesdays. Check, look at the receipts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Look at it. Look who, look who came out of Fat Tuesdays from Chris Tucker all the way to, to everybody. I can't even name them all. Kevin Hart to everybody came out of that show. You know what I mean? But is it fair for uh, comedians to have to, you know, I, I grew up where comedy was comedy. I mean, I've heard co yeah. co comedians go at Asian people. I heard comedians go at black people. I heard comedians go at Caribbean, anything. But, you know, as a yeah. comic, should you have to watch what you say? Or is it all in the vein of it's just comedy i think you need to just be responsible with what you say right you got to understand like yeah there are people that'll be offended and, and hurt and, and yeah you you do have the right to change the channel but i also think as a comic you're also responsible it's like you know when you're being hurtful you know mm -hmm. you know you know when it's do you it's know not, it's not even i i think so i i believe yeah. so you know what i mean i you know the difference when you hear something you're like yo man that ain't even coming from funny but think about you're it just, right think about like an old yeah. show like in living color mike tyson ran yeah. down on keenan ivory wins because he didn't like the way keenan Irons was portraying him but that <laughs> was hilarious it was funny yeah it was so funny but not but that mike. was also but that was also the norm back then mm -hmm. it was talk like that back then because you know society accepted it and then of course Black people were only being a certain way because they knew that was the way to get in into these doors that were like closed. You know what I mean? That wouldn't let us. They were like, oh, we got to act a certain way. Okay, well, then we'll joke around uh, about this because you, uh, the people with power, mm -hmm. are laughing at it. Does that make sense? No, it's kind of it. like it's kind of like Asians. It's like, dude, like we had to do what it was to make you happy to let us in. And, and that sucks. And oh. Mm -hmm. I, I was a victim of that. I had to do that. I was going to ask I, you that because I've been, you know, I've, I've been watching you for so long, Joe. Like you know, since Chelsea. But it yeah. seemed, when you, when you started leaning, like really, like just embracing the Filipino yes. aspect of your life, it seemed like that's when you took off to me. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I always wanted to talk about. But you know, when you go back, you you had to figure out how to get in because no one wants to hear about your Asian, your your Filipino mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, it, it, I always got the same note. You know, they were like, "Oh, I don't think uh, Middle America will get that." And I'm like, "What the f are you guys talking about? My mom's just a mom. She just happens to be Filipino, but she's still doing mom." Sh you know what right. I mean? Right. I feel like there's certain things that are universal. Since you were talking about this story about getting the prize, right? And yeah. she made you guys fill out like a raffle ticket, like a uh, all these raffle tickets to try to That's win it. this uh, TV. I feel like. My parents would have made us do that too. Yeah. That's to try to win a TV. What about the Tupperware joke? Like it's just, you know, my mom using coolant containers to, for Tupperware. Like why, why is middle America not going to get it? Everyone uses that kind of Tupperware. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't understand why I always get those notes. Why, why they always fell on. By the way, can I ask you guys a quick question? No. Why does middle America depend on what the world is listening to. I'm so sick of that excuse.
Well, they go, I don't think middle America will get it. Well, you know what? The world gets it. Like, it's, <laughs> Do it's, people still say that now? Or was yeah, that they still say it? that. Yeah. They yep. still say that. I'm like, yo, I'm so sick of that excuse. Yeah, I was just talking about that the other what? day. I forgot what I was talking about, but I was like, middle America. I was like, oh, I, you know what I was talking about? I was uh, speaking about how a few years ago, it's like maybe like four years ago, somebody was like Michael B. Jordan wasn't famous yeah. enough to be on SNL, right? This is what one of the yeah. SNL execs said. But it's because what? of that. It's because Middle America does didn't know who Michael B. Jordan was at the time. That makes no sense to me. Hey, hey, look, I love my fans in Ohio. I'm just saying, who are these executives that keep falling on Middle America as the excuse? It's it's bullshit. I, I never got that. Mm-hmm. I, I just and I just recently got that. I'm not going to say who, but it was like five years ago. It was the same thing. I don't think they'll get it. Middle America is not going to get. It. I'm like, what? Middle America. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're right. I just, I just I just sold out two forums. I just sold out Dubai. I just sold out Philippines. I just sold out New York. What, what are you talking about? Like the world Stop. gets it. Yeah. I, I'm just saying the world gets it. Why the f- are we waiting on Omaha? <laughs> <laughs> Don't move. We got more with Joe Coy when we come back. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with comedian Joe Coy. Yee. The things that you passed on are just as important as the things that you agreed to do. Because yeah. there's sometimes in life there might be a great opportunity. Yeah. And you have to really think about it and say, okay, maybe I shouldn't do this right now at this point in my career. Actually, yeah. might be more hurtful than helpful. So yeah. can you talk about that a little bit? Are, are you talking about Chelsea or? I mean, not just is- Chelsea, but. Well, yeah, I, wrote about, I wrote about Chelsea when I, I passed on her sidekick. You know what I mean? The, right. And I was working at Nordstrom Rack selling, selling shoes. She wanted you and, to be Chewy? Basically, I was supposed to be her sidekick. And, and we went all the way through, you know what I mean? Uh, until like, you know, just moments before. And I, and I gave her that call. This is why I love Chelsea, man. She's amazing. I should have recorded the phone call. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I just told her, I was like, I don't want to be I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to be known for me. Like, I don't want to do a show where I'm the sidekick or the, I, I want to be Joe Coy. And, but I love your show, but I just, I feel like I need to pursue this. And man, I'm telling you, she cursed me. I, I wish she was, I wish she was on the phone <laughs> right was now. A positive thing. Like, no, do your uh, thing. So she cursed you. I'll tell you, you can bleep everything out. She's like, go ahead. <laughs> she was like, you're never going to get anywhere, Joe. Keep listening to these f-ing agents. You don't know a good thing when it f-ing hits you in the ass. Like she was laying into me. Good luck. This show's <laughs> going to be a hit. You go f- yourself. No, 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 Chelsea. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Worst decision ever. Watch what happens, Joe. Worst f-ing decision. And then just hangs up on me. You could have been my little wow. nugget, you f-ing face. But you yeah, decided yeah. you didn't want to be my little nugget. Yeah, but it says f-ing. about her that she still lets you be a regular. Yeah, unbelievable, mm-hmm. unbelievable. That's why she's right. she's the best. Mm-hmm. She knew she knew what that panel wanted. She knew what that panel was all about. She knew that she had to, like that that panel was a, a unit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and she needed all the pieces. Yeah, Chelsea was the face and the voice, and and you know what I mean. But she also knew that it took the three other people on that panel for that show to just blow up. And that's why she's amazing. Right. She recognized that mm-hmm. she's amazing. Did y'all get by the way, she, Oh, by the way, by the way, she was 100% right when she hung up the phone because the show took off and I was working at Nordstrom rack and my ex-wife <laughs> at the time picked me up at Nordstrom rack. And as we're driving home, she goes, do you know Chelsea Handler? 
And I go, why? And she's like, her show's hysterical. And I was just like, me. Damn it. Yo, but I don't Fuck remember. I, when I think of Chelsea Handler's show, I think of you. I think Aww. of you, Chewy, Brad, yeah. and Lonnie Love. Ah. I'm dead serious. Those are the four people I think about on the panel on the panel all the time. Oh man, I love you, man. That show is amazing. Mm -hmm. And now that's another thing. She was like the modern day Johnny Carson. You remember the old rumor, like well, not a rumor. It was a real thing. When Johnny Carson liked you, he called you over yeah. to the to the couch, and, and if he called you to the couch, you made it. You're you're gonna make it. That's what Chelsea was. If you if you killed on that panel, you you made it. And here's another thing about Chelsea, a little inside. If you sucked on that panel, she would literally tell the booking guy in front of everybody. Like she'd whisper, but basically be like, it's the last time. Where? Who did that happen to? You remember that happened to? She did it all the fucking time, man. Chelsea would do it all the time. I swear. It was the funniest thing. Uh, every time there was someone new on the panel, I would just like, it would always be after the first break. And right when we went to commercial, she'd just call them over and be like, yeah, that's the, let's go ahead and let's end that one. No more. Wow. Uh -huh. This is your weekend, right? Because you got a, you got a movie that you're supposed to be producing called Easter Sunday. Yeah. Can you believe it? Are, are, you, uh, are, you, you're, are you producing it? Are you, I know you're going to be in it, but are you one of the producers too? Yeah. I'm producer, uh, Steven, you know, Steven Spielberg, Amblin. Never heard and of Dan him. Lynn. Yeah, he's he's small, independent yeah. director. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then of course Dan Lin over at Rideback. Uh, those are the guys. But yeah, man, Steven, it's, it's amazing. I can't believe what's happening. It, it's crazy, man. You coming in look. hot, by the way. You say what? Coming in hot. Coming in hot. My Netflix special, the second one. That's the one Steve Steven watched and uh, called me in and uh, asked. Asked for a, a movie idea and I pitched Easter Sunday and he fell in love with it. So wow! So, so you already had yeah. the idea in your mind and everything. Yeah, I already had the movie already sold to Dan Lin. Dan already was in on it and uh, it wasn't really moving. And then when Steve said uh, he wanted to know anything, and I just pitched the same movie to him, and he was like, "Let's go." Why Easter Sunday? What what is it about Easter Sunday? That's a huge holiday for you know. Filipinos. Really? That's our day. Oh man, are you kidding me? That's our day. That's the day of talent shows. That's the day of food. That's the day of fights. That's Why? the day of everything. It's, I don't know. Filipinos just they love Easter Sunday, man. It's that's our day. So nothing to I do with Jesus. Show. Jesus is a close second. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like we'll get to him after the adobo, but he's he's in the room. What I told you, I said Jesus headlines no holidays, Joe. There's not <laughs> one holiday that Jesus is sending around that he headlines. Not yeah. Easter, not Christmas. Even when you no. think of Easter, you think of that goddamn bunny. Yeah, the that, bunny yeah. that lays eggs, which is not even possible. Christmas yep. is Santa Claus, the Grinch, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Santa Claus yep. headlines no holidays, bro. Yep. That's crazy. And it's his birthday. I mean, Jesus headlines no holidays. That's crazy. Yeah. What like, is that? What new, is that? He needs a new PR person. That's what he needs. He needs a new PR person. Mm -hmm. You know what Jesus needs? And I'm not even trying to be funny. Um, the same beard that Envy has. Imagine <laughs> Jesus with that beard. No, no. It won't look authentic. Yes. I mean, Just almost, <laughs> almost looks like the bottom half of a motorcycle helmet. <laughs> I was just gonna thank Yo. you for sending me all Yo. the rules and stuff. Now I'm not thanking Joe you. Joe Coy, be, be careful because Envy will end this interview. Thank you so no. much, Joe Coy, for coming. Envy, Joe Coy, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't 
don't you do that. First, you got everybody calling yeah. us a liar. You're a liar. Everybody calls us, you're a liar. So. And, and you're proving it with your beard. You're proving it by continuing to tell us that your beard is real. Hey, Evie, just paint the rest of your neck. That way people believe you. <laughs> Shout out to Callie. Shout out to Kevin Hart. Just take man. that roller and then go down here. Go down here. <laughs> he might as well. He might as well. I hate y'all, oh, man. man. Well, Joe Coy, thank you for joining us, man. man no, man. man, you are. I didn't like this, man. Now, listen, Joe Coy, I got to <laughs> yeah. say, and I told you this too, there's some really random ass funny moments in this book. And one of my favorites is that you were part of a crew called the Scarecrows. It was just the nerdiest oh, crew, man. <laughs> what the hell? It was just four nerds in elementary school, man. We were the scarecrows. Just nerds. I like that picture in the book, too, where you look so innocent with the glasses from high school. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why I can see why you would call yourself a scarecrow. Right. Yo, man, why are you why why are you talking like you were fing handsome? Like why? <laughs> Yeah, you're old you, school. You're trying to much better. Hey, man. Hey, Charlamagne. And I don't know. I don't know if you've seen MVs either, but yeah. between the two of them. crazy. Mine was a little crazy, too. Yeah. I didn't have Charlamagne's to acting like he was Michael B. Jordan in high school. You weren't. <laughs> I'd have definitely you been were. in the Scarecrow crew. I would have definitely been in the Scarecrow crew early on, too. I wonder if Michael B. Jordan was Michael fact, B. Jordan in high school. Yes, Michael B. Jordan was always Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> you think? Yes, no. he's one of those guys that you... You, you, everyone uh, thought he was hot. I don't think so. Everyone according did. to L'Oreal, she went to high school with him, and she said they used to make fun of him in high school. See? No one. Man, she is a liar. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? No one liked she her. Said he had it. No she one said, liked her. She said no he, one liked her. No one liked her. Who is this? She, What's her name? What's her name, he, Angela? What's her name? I'm not going to say. Say her name. Say her name. Because his name... His name is Michael Jordan. She said, so that was already tough, like to be named Michael Jordan. What's that got to do with looks? And Lori, then... Your friend L'Oreal is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you need to stop hanging out with liars, Angela. <laughs> anyone, anyone, anyone that says Michael B. Jordan wasn't good looking like 10 years ago, that's a lying bitch right there. You are a liar. <laughs> Tw listen, tweet us. Jeez. I, I, I want to see old Michael B. Jordan high school pictures. Tweet us, Breakfast Club AM, or tweet Joe Coy. Show us Michael B. Jordan high school pictures. We can we can figure this out quite easily. Absolutely. Oh, very fast. Oh, and also tweet L'Oreal's last name, because she's a liar. L'Oreal's going to get you, bro. She, she, huh? she, she does radio in D.C. L'Oreal don't bite her tongue. Oh God! Don't listen to her. Don't listen to her show, DC. <laughs> that whole show is a lie. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. <laughs> Listen, go get mixed plate chronicles of an all-American combo. All right, Joe Coy's autobiography. It's oh, a great man. read. It's fantastic. You didn't even read it. Uh, <laughs> What's your hey hey Charlemagne? Charlemagne. I got a new nickname for you. You want to know what it is? What is it? L'Oreal. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking liar. <laughs> That's Charlemagne's new nickname. I want everyone to sh hashtag L'Oreal, <laughs> AKA Charlemagne. I love L'Oreal. Oh, man. <laughs> Joe Coy, goodbye, man. We love you. I love you guys. We love you back. <laughs> The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Hey, what up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. The General Insurance understands that no one's perfect and we could all use a break every now and then. 
The General works with you to keep you covered and will always treat you with respect. Call 800-GENERAL or go to thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? I do. Um, listen, the positive note is simply this. If we don't change, we don't grow. If we don't grow, we aren't really living. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?